Welcome to the Andy Staple Show, goes to the movies, special Friday shows, because listen, we don't want to think about what's going on in the world right now. We want to watch college football movies and either make fun of them or talk about our reverence for them. And in this case, there's going to be a lot of reverence because the movie is The Program, which I saw in the theater with the scene that got cut out and caused all the controversy. And then I proceeded to see it probably 50 more times, and I have not seen it in a while, but I watched it for this podcast, and man, does it hold up. But you know who hadn't seen it is Max Olson from The Athletic. So Max, you are coming into this as a newbie. You have now watched the program for the first time. What do you think about an inside look at college football in the 90s? <laughs> so I, I was flying completely blind on this one. You didn't tell me like, hey, here's a few things you should know about the program before you watch it. So I didn't know if this podcast was going to be like a how did this get made type of one where we're kind of making fun of it or if this is more of like a rewatchables podcast of let's talk about what makes this movie so great. And honestly, the movie like is is kind of right in the middle of that spectrum there, right? Like I think it, 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 split, it threads it's, the needle very well. I it think. threads the needle. It's it's very over the top. I think we can agree on that. But it also has a lot of realistic and accurate stuff, like a, as a portrayal of you know the underbelly of college football from a, a player's perspective. Like not only did they do their homework, but like these are also issues that still resonate today. So it actually ages really well. Yeah, that was the part that amazed me. Is this is this is an old movie now? This movie came out in nineteen ninety three. Yeah, but it completely holds up. And yeah, I probably should have prepared you for a few things. Like Halle Berry wears so many blazers. <laughs> if you see Halle Berry, she's gonna be wearing a blazer. That that part I should have prepared you for. Uh, Christy Swanson will dominate a, a a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback uh, in tennis while wearing yep. jorts. Well, a lot of jorts, jorts in the weight room and everything. Yep. Jorts in the weight room would get you thrown out at most places. But remember, you know, the fictional Eastern State University was mostly the University of South Carolina. They, they filmed it at williams Bryce Stadium. They filmed scenes on campus. Now, the, the scenes in the quad were like at the end when, when Christy Swanson meets up with, with Joe and he talks about sharing a six-pack and it's Sprite. That was at Duke. <laughs> But most of the okay. scenes were at South Carolina. And yeah, as a first-year member of the, AC, of the SEC, which South Carolina was in 1992 when they were filming this movie, you know, I, I think the jorts were probably acceptable. They were try, probably trying to reach out to their friends in Gainesville and say, hey, we're, we're happy to be in the conference. So we're going to let Christy Swanson wear jorts in our weight room. I, I thought it was kind of cool, too. Like, you know, a lot of times with these sports movies you see – um, you know, a bunch of made up schools and, and mascots and all that stuff. Like to actually have Mississippi State, Michigan, Boston College, Texas, North Carolina, Iowa, Georgia Tech all either be in the movie or be mentioned. Like it's kind of crazy that they got the pr permission, the participation on this stuff when you've got scenes in that, like Alvin Mack calling, you know, the NCAA, the NCAA assholes who won't, th won't let them get paid. Like it's pretty cool that they were able to uh, actually trick schools into letting them be part of this. That would never happen today, by the way. 
schools no would way. be way more cautious. But the our friend Jake Trotter at ESPN did a, an oral history of this movie, and the one thing that the I believe the director said was that Michigan would only be included if they won the game. <laughs> How great is that? And and really, things all go straight to hell when they lose that Michigan game. Because remember, that's that's the night that Latimer roughs up the girl because he's roid raging. That's yep. the night that uh, Joe Kane gets in the bar fight and then gets pulled hey, look, over for DUI. Now, first of all, you know the jerk started it. Okay, let the record show that the jerk started it and and Joe finished it in that bar fight, throwing him through the trophy case. But you know the DUI didn't help. Yeah, well, and he almost dragged Darnell Jefferson down with him. And that's that's sure the crazy did. part. Now, we did not see the version of the movie that had the controversial scene. I, it, it's on YouTube. I know you watched it on YouTube, Max. Uh, for those who don't know, when this movie came out in 1993, there was a scene where the guys are, are they're in a bar, and it's Joe Kane and uh, Bud Light, the offensive lineman, and Darnell Jefferson and Alvin Mack. And I think Latterman may have been there too, but mm-hmm. they are discussing Joe being in on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And afterward, they go out to the street, and Joe Kane lays down in the middle of traffic, and then the rest of them join him and lay on the yellow line in the middle of the road as these cars are going by, and he reads from his Sports Illustrated season preview, and so. Two actual people died trying to copy that scene because mm-hmm. kids are stupid. And I, I was texting with somebody the other night who's around my age, and he said that he nearly ran somebody over driving around Daytona Beach as a teenager because they were trying to reenact that scene. And so that's why the scene got pulled from the movie. Well, that's, that's interesting. That's a good call on their part. Although it does uh, – that scene actually makes the um – Standing in front of a train scene make a little bit more sense, right? That 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 builds up right. To you a little un- bit more. You understand Joe Kane. <laughs> now the part the part that doesn't make sense is Alvin Mack joining them because and, and I so I talked to Dwayne Davis who played Alvin Mack and you're going to get to hear him two weeks from now because we're doing the program this week. We're doing Necessary Roughness next week, and he's in Beautiful. both movies. He's Alvin Mack in the program. He's Featherstone in Necessary Roughness. So he's he's going to tell us some stories about this. And, oh, by the way, he's also the father of Wyatt Davis, who is Ohio State's best offensive lineman. So That's the, crazy. Yeah, and so it's very relevant and topical to talk to Dwayne now. But Dwayne argued about that scene with the director and said, Alvin Mack, the character, would not be here right now. He Correct. wouldn't do this because, remember, Alvin Mack knows that his only shot is football. He's not there for an education. He makes that very, very clear throughout <laughs> the movie. And so he is, he, he's not going to put himself at, at risk at all. Actually, let's, let's talk about Alvin Mack a little bit because he, he's in a bunch of my favorite scenes. But yeah. one of my absolute favorites is the scene where he is – with his tutor and his tutor's mad at him because he hasn't been doing all the work. And so you think, okay, this guy can't read. He's illiterate. You know, how does, how does he do this? And then you see him in the linebacker meeting and he's doing all right for himself. So let's, uh, let's, let's, let's listen to that scene, Max. It's, uh, it's pretty outstanding. Okay. Let's review the chapter I read you yesterday. 
Which two city-states fought in the Punic Wars? I don't know. Detroit and Buffalo? Oh, come on, Alvin. You're gonna be tested on this. <laughs> Rookies, you pay attention. This is what I expect out of you. Alvin, you ready? Yes, sir. All right, this is Mississippi State's offensive set. Second and two on our own 24. What defensive set might we call? Eagle zipper hero, unless the setback shifts into the eye. Good. Third and seven. Okie Thunder Lion. What's your assignment? Kill the quarterback. Hit the tight end so hard his girlfriend dies. Kill everybody. I actually asked Wyatt Davis at Fiesta Bowl Media Day, Did, do people ever come up to your dad and just go, kill everybody? And he said, yes, they do. Yes, they do. It's a uh, it's a great scene. I mean, there's the, this is what we're talking about, Andy. Like, there is there's a lot of truth to that. I think, and, and there's a scene later on when Coach is having to argue uh, with the school board about or, or whatever about getting his backup quarterback back, and they mention, I think they mention there that that Alvin reads at a sixth grade level or something like that. That fourth they, grade level, he fourth reads grade at a fourth level. grade Thank level, you. fourth and grade that's, level, and that's where that's when uh, Coach Sonny Corleone tells the guy in the bow tie he's gonna. He can shove the bow tie, you know where. <laughs> you know where. Um, and at the beginning of the movie, Alvin tells Darnell, you know, all you need to know is, is how to sign an NFL contract. Like, it, it. this is a tough position for these guys where it's like, why does he need to know who's in the Punic Wars? I, I, he, he doesn't, right? And and so why should he, you know, why should he care about that? But at the same time, when you have that catastrophic injury, now you have, you know, no future. And it's it's one of the real sad endings of that movie. It is, and now they juxtapose that with Darnell Jefferson, who you can tell Darnell Jefferson's a smart guy. He's just led a pretty tough life. He never knew his dad. Mom, I believe he says his mom went on vacation when she was 12 and never came back. And so he's been, like, he's in what appears to be a foster home when they when they go to recruit him but you can tell he wants to be he wants to be better uh he wants to lead a better life because he's been memorizing the the word a day from the word a day calendar and and you know wants to to be the kind of person that Halle Berry and her dad would like and you know maybe not Ray Griffin per per se but that that is one of my favorite scenes when he meets Ray Griffin, uh, Darnell Jefferson tailback, Ray Griffin starting tailback. I know that's, that's why, why they, they recruited, recruited me. me. I, I thought he was a great, um, like, I feel like through the character Darnell, you're, you're really going through like we, the innocent kind of, uh, ignorant audience is like kind of getting the true college football experience from, you know, from his whole freshman year there where, you know, you find out the recruiting hostess, you know, misled you, you find out the academics are, are bogus and cheating is, you know, standard. But, and, but how often is the recruiting, how often is the recruiting hostess the tutor? That's true. That's true. That's an, uh, that's an unusual combo there for Allie Perry. Um, you know, you find out the difference between hurt and injured. You, you know, you have to carry a football around campus. you, you know, the placement test, the, hey, I wanted to ask you about one of these because, you know, there's a lot of these things where as I was watching, I'm thinking like, you know, Andy did play college football. I wonder how much of this is real. One of them was, how about the cash payments at the fancy formal cocktail hour after the game with the boosters? That doesn't really <laughs> I didn't happen. I think so. Or, or didn't didn't happen in the 90s as far as I know at in a program that was competing for national titles at the time. So uh, that didn't happen. I, if, if there were envelopes of money, it was more like a blank envelope appears in the mailbox that has cash in it. 
that would be the envelope of money. The other one I wanted to ask you about from your your experience in college, um, the the pregame psych up routine of of spitting in each other's mouths. So this is this is the story that that Dwayne Davis tells, and again you'll be able to hear the whole thing in two weeks. So they did not really spit in each other's mouths, right? In the movie, it is CGI. Well, what whatever version of nineteen ninety two CGI there was, but they didn't really do that. But not good when, social distancing, that, when, that behavior. No, absolutely not. But when he read that in the script, he asked the, the producers, the director, because uh, Dwayne Davis had played at Iowa, or mm-hmm. excuse me, at Missouri. He'd, he'd been a tight end at Missouri. And, um, and so he's like, I never saw this. He's like, my dad played in the NFL. Nobody's ever heard of this. <laughs> and one of the technical advisors on the movie and one of the guys who was also playing one of the other players, uh, a former player, he was a former UCLA player. I believe it was DeMarco Farr's brother, Andre. Oh, nice. Was, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that happened at UCLA. What? <laughs> yeah. So apparently that happened. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, yeah. it's funny. Like you, you have to give them like some props here. Like it, it, it's easy to nitpick all the weird stuff and, and we will definitely continue to do that. But like, to me, it's always important with, with these kind of movies. Cause I'm not a huge sports movies guys, probably maybe cause it's just cause it's our job and all that, but it's important to make it look real. And this is like, they do like a solid B plus job on, you know, on the gameplay. I think, um, you know, you clearly like they, they brought together a, a cast of extras who actually played football. And I, I think a lot of it, actually looks pretty decent. The stadium full of fans actually makes it look like believable and great. And, and I know they shot that at halftime of a, a South Carolina, Tennessee game in 92. Like I hate when movies try to fake that, um, you know, they used an NFL films crew to shoot some of this stuff. And, and I think it shows like, I think the actual gameplay and football, like it holds up pretty well. Well, that's why when you see long passes, you see the ball spiraling through the air. Cause that's, that's the classic quintessential NFL film shot. And Interestingly enough, this was not the first time that it happened because I, I had read where some of the folks on this movie said it was the first time the NFL films cinema cinema I can't even say the word cinematographers, cinematographers. had been yeah. doing a football movie. Necessary roughness, they were on it too, so they had gotten some some experience with that. But you you call it a B plus, I call it an A plus 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 strictly. For the practice montage that's set to Welcome to the Jungle. with <laughs> Welcome the, to the Jungle. Where they yeah. play Bull in the Ring, they play Oklahoma, all the best drills that most of them are now illegal. But yes, it was right. unbelievable. So let's go back to 1993. I'm in 10th grade. Uh, JV football season has just ended. They've, they've moved some of us up to the varsity. And so we are essentially tackling dummies for the varsity when this movie's out. There's one theater in town that doesn't check IDs. And so mm-hmm. me and a couple of other buddies badger one of the older players who has a driver's license into taking us to see the movie after practice one Thursday. And we are cheering because we'd been doing those drills like earlier yes, in that year. Totally. So like we played Bull in the Ring. I think it probably was, was banned. It may have been banned while I was in high school. It's been banned for a long time. But for those who don't know, Bull in the Ring is a game where, or a drill, you put one player in the middle, 
and the coach then starts calling out the numbers of the players that are in the circle around the guy in the middle. And when the coach calls your number, you run and you hit the guy in the middle. And it's that's all it is, is you just try to knock the crap out of the guy in the middle and he tries to defend himself. And I remember when I was on JV, so early, probably two months before I saw this movie or a month before I saw this movie, Mm -hmm. we played Bull in the Ring and I got a little mouthy with the coach because uh, he, he had said I was in the middle and he'd sent a guy and I'd hit him. He sent this other guy and I knocked him down and I looked at the coach and I go, is that all you got? And so he calls <laughs> he calls two numbers at once and these two guys just oh, punch no. me and I see sparks and the next thing I know I'm on my knees throwing up and you <laughs> we, we won't name anybody I don't want anybody to get sued but sure. it was a, it was a simpler more innocent time in football but yes yeah, somebody probably would yeah. get sued over that now but yeah, yeah. so yeah. that was that was bull in the ring and then you obviously you had Oklahoma my favorite sure, version sure. of Oklahoma, where you have a lineman, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, running back, linebacker, and you have a three-yard width or a four-yard width to deal with, and you just got to block your guy, and then the back has to beat the linebacker, and the collisions are, are real. Those collisions were absolutely real, and those players, for the most part, were guys who had gotten done playing at South Carolina recently, or they'd just been cut from the NFL, so... Uh, let, let me play another another scene that was pretty famous that I know was one of your favorite scenes, Max, and, and we'll get into a little backstory about that scene. Hey, 23, don't think I don't recognize you, you poop butt mother. Hey, pay attention when I'm talking to you. What? Uh, you're the guy who shot my mother, aren't you? Shut up, man. You knew I never knew your mother. Uh, you're trying to steal a fucking car, you fucking. You didn't think I was going to find you, did you? But I got you now, man. I'm gonna bust your gun open and watch you die! Lock pitches to Tyler, sweeping left. So you press! Mac cuts him uh, off. Sh- Come back here, you little Oh, Tyler, crunched by Latimer. Bumble! That's mine! That's mine! They unstack them and ESU has got it. So that is Alvin Mack trash-talking a Mississippi State tailback. Now, the part we, we don't know, this is Dwayne Davis will tell this story, and you'll hear it in its, in its entirety in two weeks. But basically, as he's reading these lines or say, saying these lines to the running back, the fullback is eyeballing Alvin Mack as, or Dwayne Davis as Alvin Mack. The fullback was some guy who'd just been cut from the NFL. And so he's like a real dude. And so the first few takes, he just crushes Alvin Mack. Just cr- <laughs> So the play is supposed to be Alvin Mack sheds the lead block, and then Latimer hits the running back, and Alvin Mack recovers the fumble. But he kept getting creamed by the fullback. And so I guess he, he took the amazing. fullback aside and was like, uh, you realize Alvin Mack's supposed to be an all-American linebacker. So he's got to be able to beat this block. And the fullback's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> so Because <laughs> Dwayne's like, well, he's just there to do his they'll job. They'll make us yeah, do absolutely. this all day if you don't let me beat the block. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and they were, they were filming That's, for like 12 uh, hours a day. 
the the ingenuity of the trash talk throughout the movie um you, i love it it's it's phenomenal oh it's it, it, it that's the thing alvin mack is one of the great characters in sports movies i, I he's the best but, character but, in this movie we so i'm i'm glad you say that cuz i feel like you know we've got to talk about joe kane absolutely so how did how did Joe Kane hold up for you on this rewatch for you? Joe Kane hold, held up pretty well. Now, uh, the actor who played Joe Kane, it's Craig Sheffers, his name, and he apparently did try to play football at East Stroudsburg, which is where James Franklin, Penn State head coach, played football. But they're quite a bit different in age, so they wouldn't have wouldn't have intersected. So he had some experience, but. So the stand-in for Joe Kane, though, was a guy named Mike Hold, who was a starting quarterback at South Carolina in the 80s. You know who had a Mike Hold jersey? A number seven Garnet South Carolina jersey? Did you? This guy. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Wow. How did you end oh. up with that? Well, so I'm, I was born in Columbia. Okay. I grew up a South Carolina fan. Um, now, we had moved to Florida by this point, but I got the jersey as a gift for one of my birthdays and it was it was one of those where they only made adult sizes so I it didn't fit me for a long time but I I actually wore it in the 1992 season the season where the program was filmed at South Carolina yeah when South Carolina played at Florida I wore that Mike Hold jersey to the swamp that's beautiful Mike you know Mike Hold uh he throws a tight spiral which is uh clearly something that they could not get uh from from the actor playing Joe Kane so Nice job by Michael no, in this, no. this movie. But by the way, the he actor did, he did, clearly he did drop the ball. By the way, yeah, he, he's, oh, he's not a, well, not a yeah. big dude. Well, you can tell because the guy who plays Bud Light Kaminsky, the offensive lineman, looks like an NFL tackle next to Joe. He Kane. does. He does. Yeah, yeah. I I thought the um, I, you know, certainly the the black the black leather jacket um ages well. It, it really signifies to the audience that. You know, Joe Kane's a badass. Now he's a he's a self loathing, self destructive badass, but but a badass nonetheless. Oh yeah, no he, and and he comes from you know it looks like Pennsylvania Steel Country, which is interesting because Steve Tannehill was Florida's or South Carolina starting quarterback at the time, or had just become South Carolina starting quarterback at the in the middle of the '92 season. He was a guy from Pennsylvania starting a quarterback at South Carolina, and had the mullet and and kind of the look, but yeah, Joe Kane was. It's interesting because he he was he was sort of like the quintessential bad boy, you know. the The guy who played he him, he actually kind of like in the uniform, he kind of looks like Tom Brady with a bad wig. A little, a little bit, bit, yes, a little bit, because he's not super athletic, but he does kind of look the part. Now, the the guy who played him had just done a river runs through it, and according to our our buddy Jake Trotter's oral history of this movie, he was auditioning for the Oscar Schindler part in Schindler's List. During this, the filming of this movie, they they went Liam Neeson over him. It's it's crazy. Yes, and if you if you look at his IMDb page, the career kind of peters out. Like, yeah, I remember seeing him in uh, in uh, the the One Tree Hill. The uh, that that was the next big thing he did. That was probably his next big thing. That was way much longer. Now, of course, Andy. Also in the oral history, I you know as I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking like. You know who would you who would you recast for Joe Kane? Like who would play him today? Who would have been the right pick in '93? 
and and I'm, I'm wondering like who else was up for it. The director originally wanted Johnny Depp. I read that too, and I could only imagine Captain Jack Sparrow playing quarterback at that point. <laughs> I can I can imagine Johnny Depp getting that call and, and just saying, uh, "Yeah, hard pass. That that ain't me, man." Well, Keanu Reeves probably would have been an, a, a choice at this point. I I don't know that sure. he was. Had Bill and Ted come out? Uh, he, he was a quarterback in Point Break. He'd been a he was playing a character who had been a quarterback, and then he. Be- plays a quarterback in the replacements he apparently couldn't sure throw does. at all uh rick Neuheisel, i do do some radio with him bill and rick ted was in 89 was a, okay so yeah keanu's a thing at this point uh but rick Neuheisel apparently was a consultant on the replacements and said keanu can't throw <laughs> that's that is some insider uh goss right there what about like I'm trying to see, like, how old would Affleck be, like, at that point? I feel like that's a role he could have played, right? He's not, yeah, he's too young, it's, I think. It's I think too Affleck's yeah, probably he didn't still start in acting until, like, yeah, you're right. You're right. But um, he would have been that, he would have been the right kind of guy. So, well, here's another one Vince Vaughn. Oh, he, Vince yeah, Vaughn was yeah. in Rudy. Vince Vaughn is filming Rudy as this is. Well, he's in Days and Confused in 93. Yeah. So yeah. it kind of would have worked. Yeah, and it would have taken that character in a different direction. You actually would have gotten some comic relief out of him, which I think... Because I, I think the movie takes itself a little too seriously most of the time. Uh, the the Like, a lot of the Latimer stuff is unintentionally funny. And the the, uh, the interplay between Omar Epps and Halle Berry can be funny at times. But I actually thought they had good chemistry. Good actors. They yeah. were really... I mean, and that's the thing. They're really good actors. They're, yeah. They, you have James Caan... Uh, Halle Berry. We, we got to so talk about two... James Con too. Oh yeah. We well, let's talk about the coaching staff in general. The two man coaching so, staff of assistants. Yeah, exactly. You, you got to. <laughs> so I realize you have to have composite characters in movies, and you have to boil things down. Yeah. Otherwise, it gets too complicated. But it's a major college football program with two assistant coaches. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com staples for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Staples for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And I had, by the way, I had to look up his name because I feel like it's just coached throughout the movie. Coach Sam Winters. Um, I I think the premise of the character actually is like pretty good because you know you know how it is like oh two so so seasons it's it's damaging fundraising the alumni and they mentioned the legislature's unhappy which I thought was funny um, but they vote with their checkbooks and so. You know, after he's pissed that after 12 years on the job, it's suddenly in jeopardy, 
which made me wonder, are we thinking like who, who's the who's the comp here for you? Is it like a Mark Richt, like a Mac Brown? Like what what comes to mind? This would for you? be like a latter day, yeah, latter day Mark Rick at Georgia, in end of end of Texas ten, tenure Mac Brown. Uh yeah. Yeah. I don't think in, in this day and age you get that much time. Because remember, he's not made a bowl in three years. Because they say Correct. at the end now, and my other question is, why is he talking about ringing a championship bell? They're clearly not in a conference. They're, they're playing <laughs> Texas, Georgia Tech, Michigan. Like they're not I, in a conference. I actually, so I, I actually love like win. I love that the like the relatively low stakes of this movie that they're not playing for a national title. They lost three to four games during the season, and now they go to a bowl game and they keep coach off they keep coach off the hot seat for like another year. Right? That's about well, it. I mean. So this is back in the eleven game season days. They're five and five playing for a. Well, they're pro- actually there aren't as many bowl games, and so they probably like I would nineteen think they bowl go into games the, at this time. Yeah. yeah, they go in. They probably go into the last game six and four. Six and four, you think, or seven and three? Mm, I felt like if you follow the movie, they kind of yada yada stuff between the opener and the Michigan game, but and they didn't say they were undefeated going into the Michigan game. So I felt like they lost like four games overall. I think I think they are undefeated, but so basically, when they when they win that last game, it's they're getting a spot in the Gator Bowl essentially. <laughs> yes, yes. I also kind of thought it was weird watching it. Like James Conn's really kind of like not in the movie that much. Like I kind of I wish there was more of him. He really doesn't do any coaching in the movie. His role's mostly just like the fixer who resolves except, the program's big run, problems. He runs the linebacker meeting. <laughs> yeah, he's true. running the linebacker meeting yes that, that. um <laughs> but it, it you know it doesn't really have like a wife or a backstory and, and it, which is yeah, fine he has a daughter in some ways that's he does have a daughter and i thought that whole thing was kind of weird but it was funny at one point andy I, I did jot down in my notes um after the michigan game has coach lost control of his program <laughs> Absolutely, he has. He definitely lost it after the Michigan game. No, and, and he also had the snot bubbles speech. Yes, and yes, we. So my high school team really took to the whole snot bubbles thing. Like it was a thing the following season to try to get somebody to blow snot bubbles. Is that right? Preferably on an opponent, but if it happened at practice, it happened at practice. So wow. Wow. that's why I love at the end of the movie and I have in my in my notes just in all caps snot bubbles when <laughs> Latimer freshly back on steroids. Yes. Blows the, up the morality of all that back. played really weirdly in the movie, by the way. Well, no, but remember, he comes off the field and he comes up to coach and coach is going to tell him a good good job. But they lock eyes and you know that coach <laughs> knows. Coach could just see the, the steroids test. in his eyes somehow. <laughs> you yep, see sure. the steroids in his eyes and, and unspoken, and then it's just, oh, And then you see him crying on the bench. And the, the radio yeah. announcer, Clueless, goes, you see Steve Latimer crying tears of joy that he's going to get to go to the Gator Bowl. You know, it. nope, not, not tears quite. of joy. I, he knows I, he's I thought done. that the, um, Steve, the, the shot of Steve Latimer flushing needles down a toilet was pretty great. <laughs> But but that of course I didn't know what was coming, which was the uh, urine transfusion that he does like a few scenes later. So the scene with the flushing the needles. One, those needles aren't going to flush. That's not afraid not. Like they don't. Those syringes aren't going to suddenly fold up and flush down. Also, 
the Bodine's Good Things as a soundtrack choice. I love that yeah. song. Yeah. Love that yeah. song. But that's not a steroid flushing song. <laughs> Read the room, guys. You know. Um. <laughs> well, let's let's get to the while we're at this point, we have to discuss one of the most famous scenes in the movie. Yeah, in case anyone's listening and didn't totally know what that scene was, that is a man celebrating uh earning a starting job on the defense as a senior uh by smashing his head through the windows of cars in the parking lot of Williams Rice Stadium which by by the way that's a apparently a, a real thing that the director and writer took from a sports illustrated story about a steroid scandal at South Carolina in the 80s that there was a player who actually did smash his head through some some car windows yeah it's uh it's interesting how the director actually kind of like cherry picked a bunch of different little stories um to, to throw into this, but uh, Latimer is an interesting one, man. I thought, uh, you know, it, because you, you know how this is from like covering the sport, right? Like the whole three game suspension for pulling a hamstring, like go practice your limp thing. Like that happens. That's, that's Absolutely. not like a completely made up thing. Yeah. You can tell these guys had a lot of people in their ears who had played college football, who had real stories to pass along. And said, "Well, this is what this is what happened when it happened to us. This is what really happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it, that that part was really well done, and I thought they wove all that together really well. And that's that w- I think is what makes this movie hold up so well for me. Is one, a lot of these things are universal now, like the the hand and the guy fifty bucks thing. Well, in two years they'll be able to make you know five hundred bucks per Instagram post." And it'll be sure. perfectly legal yeah. under NCAA rules. So that that's changing. But a lot of this other stuff hasn't changed at all. And so I, I thought that held up really well. Here's what doesn't hold up really well, Max. The Heisman campaign. The the Heisman oh campaign they designed for for Joe The Heisman is, is, is able. The the Heisman campaign is is essentially presented as the worst thing that could ever happen to a college football player. Well, it, it, I don't like, know. Maybe, you don't want the pressure of the is. Heisman ruining your life, you know? Yeah. Well, if, I guess if you're an alcoholic, that's probably true. Probably true. Yes. I don't. Yeah. I, so let's let's listen to the now. Kane is able as a button. Now that holds up well. Tremendous you, you button. That. All right. Well, let let's listen to them. And the university are best served by a straightforward Heisman campaign. Nothing too gimmicky. In order to capitalize on the momentum created by the Sports Illustrated cover, we've compiled a mailing list of around 1,300 opinion makers, newspapers, football writers, sports anchors. First, we send them a packet on Joe and his achievements, bio stats plus human interest stuff, commitment to academics, charity work, etc. Then we update it each week with a postcard. Heisman voters hate opening envelopes. Do you really think this is worth it? I mean... You think I got a shot at winning this thing? Certainly. Plus, it's a good thing for the program. Publicizes the school, gives a boost to recruiting. And it's a great thing for you. Jumps up your draft position, the size of your first contract, everything. It's a great opportunity. And all you've got to do is back it up on the field. And we have no doubts about that. Because we know... Kane is able. Nothing like a biblical reference in your Heisman uh, campaign. I, you know what? There, there was another piece of that that you know the PR people kind of running his life after that. Did you notice the the shot where he is at dinner with his girlfriend and also doing a TV like on camera interview during it? Oh yeah, 
Absolutely. Well, remember, they, they stopped the Lynn Swan interview. They did. The on-campus Lynn Swan interview because that was that was too formal. Mm-hmm. They needed something informal. This is right before the Michigan game. This is, so Ugh, this is why he lost crazy. the Michigan game. They're too busy stage managing his life that week. You know, if you don't do that, maybe he doesn't get in a bar fight and get a DUI after the Michigan game. Do you ever think about that, guys? I think that I think that's fair. And then he wouldn't have had to, uh, you know, take that four game rehab suspension uh, and take that stint in rehab, which included, uh, according to the movie, uh, wearing a robe, journaling, and uh, just generally acting bored and ignoring calls from Christy Swanson. That's right. That's right. Shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, Joe Kane, quite, quite a character. So, yeah. That now thirteen hundred opinion makers. I'm assuming we would have gotten these back then. I would think so. Hey, how do you, do you like postcards? You good with postcards? For our for our listeners under twenty five, a postcard is a a little card that has a picture on the front and some information on the back that people used to send to other people. They do not ever do that anymore. Uh, now I, I don't I don't mind opening envelopes. And honestly, if you're going to send me something for a Heisman campaign, it better be something good. It better be like Ed Oliver as a bobblehead on a horse, because. I don't want I don't want just junk. I you send me a packet, I'm throwing that out. So so there's a there's a point something that kind of dawned on me as I got toward the end of this movie and I'm curious for your thoughts upon rewatching it. So it it is hard to effectively jam all the things that they do into this movie in 2 hours, right? And I feel like the kind of obvious takeaway is that like I kind of think this would have been an awesome TV series. Um, and I think Friday night lights really proved that later on. You know what I mean? I think you want to, you want people to like get super invested in these characters and their growth and trials and all that stuff. And they're kind of, it almost felt like they're trying to jam a whole season of a TV show into a movie. Uh, did, did you notice that at all? I, I did. And, and it's funny because you mentioned it when you were talking about coach winters and, and how little we know about him. Well, the most important part of Friday night lights was Coach Taylor and Mrs. Coach Taylor. You know, if, there's no show without Tammy Taylor. So that's the same thing is, is yeah, we could have gone deeper and we could have been more emotionally invested. Now, I do think they did a really good job in the limited time they had. Here, here are the people that I really cared about by the end of the movie. Alvin Mack, I cared deeply about. Uh, Darnell and Autumn, I, I wanted it to work for those two crazy kids. Uh, I wanted Ray Griffin to get sued for malpractice after he becomes a doctor and, and have to resign in disgrace because he's a jerk. Um, <laughs> he's a jerk, and he intentionally didn't block until the very oh, end. Oh, he definitely whiffed on that block on the sweep. No question about Awful. that. Awful. Awful. Uh, Bud Light Kaminsky is obviously going to be a future CEO. And interesting at the time, he was playing a bully named Larry Kubiak on one of my favorite uh, cult shows but when I was a kid, Parker Lewis Can't Lose. And so seeing him as a good guy was was nice because I just liked that guy. And he he played a lot of those affable big guy roles in the 90s. Oh, I mean, he they couldn't have cast an offensive lineman better than that. Right. Yeah. Now, I don't know about the suspenders and shorts. That's a bit much. That was that was it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. When when uh, when Darnell gets to campus, that guy is he's really going for it. It's a summer attire. A lot of questionable sartorial choices here from from Halle Berry, always wearing a blazer. They throw Christy Swanson in a blazer, too, at the end uh, to the number of pleats on Ray Griffin's pants. 
when he meets Darnell. He must have like four pleats on each side. Ugh, that's uh, that doesn't age well. I liked. Uh, we forgot to mention with Joe Kane. I, I like when uh, you know, like the you know the there's this big triumphant moment at the end where you know Coach gives him the speech. Say, oh, forget rehab, forget your dad, forget everything. You know, go in the game, all that. And when the game's over, they meet in the tunnel, and coaches like gives them like basically a very simple like attaboy. Like didn't really have anything to say to him, but he does give him the keys to his car. So to his know, motorcycle, it's a, it's a good moment. <laughs> That's oh, the no, keys he to his motorcycle. Oh, me. It was he giving was, back the motorcycle. He was driving That's Bud right. Light Kaminsky's truck when he got the DUI. That's right. That's right. Yes, he gave he gives him the motorcycle back at the end of all that. Which uh, is is probably a healthy choice. Yeah, See, that's the thing they 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 did pack a ton into this. Like they now the, the director of this movie also directed Major League, which one of the great sports movies of all time. So that was another one where they they managed to develop a lot of characters you cared about in a really compressed amount of time. But I think you're right. I think and I think you know back then. The idea of like a ten episode series, and, and I don't say thing. that as a criticism. I'm saying, Andy, there's an opportunity here. Let's let's make a TV series. The problem is you're not going to get any participation from any actual schools now. Like you said earlier, that they have Michigan and Iowa and Mississippi State and Georgia Tech in this movie. I mean, it, that would never happen now. No, you're right. You're right. Do Do you have a favorite line from this movie of all of them? There are so many. Uh, I think it's hit the tight end so hard his girlfriend dies. I'm pretty sure that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the exchange between Darnell and Ray when they meet is another one of my favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. the hit the hit the tight end so hard his girlfriend dies made me laugh out loud, and still makes me laugh out loud every time I see it. I love the. Um you know, Joe Kane. He, he Joe Kane really wanted to have a motto, or he, he really wanted to have a catchphrase. Oh, no doubt. And the um, guys, let's uh, let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner. I love that. I love that. He says it three times. He says it like it's the coolest thing anyone's ever said. It's uh, I enjoyed it every time. And that is that is the the truly heartbreaking part of this movie is that Joe Kane. You know, now I guess Joe Kane was a junior because. Mm-hmm. He was coming back. Coach Winters talks about him winning the Heisman next year. So you know, Joe Kane probably had an okay senior year. He at least carried a clipboard in the NFL for eight nine years and made good money. And Alvin Mack had to go back to the. I mean, he's he's from looks like rural Georgia, Mississippi, somewhere like that. Dirt poor. He bought the knocker, the door knocker for his mom. He never could get her the house. You know, but Alvin Mack wound up there and Joe Kane probably wound up making millions of dollars as an, as an NFL backup quarterback does kind of piss me off. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that also speaks to the opportunity for, for, uh, I mean, if, if I think Alvin Mack would be like, just, he would be a Tim Riggins kind of guy to people, right? If this had been like a TV series and I'm glad that he like still is that for a lot of people now as like just the all time, just an all time, you know, badass football player. But Andy, this is a, it was a good movie, man. Like I, I appreciate you letting me do this, man. This is a uh, this was a fun watch. It was it was a fun like kind of two hours away from all the craziness that's going on to sit in my basement and uh, watch a movie and try to figure out what the hell I'm watching. And I'm glad you got a little window into what what high school Andy was watching because that that was the thing that pumped me up. That movie we were 
cheering in the movie theater during that movie. Really? It was unbelievable. What what was it that made you watch it 50 times? I just loved it. I, I the football scenes were great and the story was good, you know, and and listen, the the acting was fantastic from some of the people. I don't you know, like like you said, I don't know if they gave James Conn enough to do, but I feel like Halle Berry and Dwayne Davis. Halle Berry was really good Omar in this movie. Epps. We didn't really talk about yeah, her. Yeah, I mean, Omar Epps. Yeah. The, the problem with Omar Epps in sports movies is most people think about Omar Epps as he played Willie Mays Hayes in Major League Two because Wesley Snipes wouldn't come back. And you can't be <laughs> That's right. Willie Mays Hayes after Wesley Snipes. So Omar Epps kind of, you, you know, in, 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 in sort of the sports movie pantheon, he sort of falls out because of that. But Omar Epps is unbelievable in this movie. He is great. He is. And and I looked it up. Um, you know, Halle Berry's like 25 at this point when yeah, she, she made is this. Not, like, she is she's not really two years big. into her movie career. Um, she was the, the, the Flintstones live action movie, which I think was probably like the first thing I saw her in as a kid, came out like a year later. So this was like very, very beginning of her career. Really like a, a an incredible casting find by them. And... I, like I said, I think the chemistry that those two have and like that storyline, I was I was legitimately invested in it. Yeah, I thought that was outstanding, and I thought I thought the guy playing Latimer did a good job. He was a bodybuilder, and now he was in a bunch of stuff, and, and he always kind of played the big guy and and the bully. He ends up that. being in Street Fighter with Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> but yes, but I does. thought I thought he showed a lot of range in this movie because you you do go on an emotional journey with him and he's you know he he could have very easily been a cartoon character but he's not yeah yeah i thought uh <laughs> i like i like the um i the the whole deal with the NCAA is interesting in that and i like the coach coach con saying uh yeah it, it's not that hard to gain 35 pounds over the summer if you hit the gym real hard well and and you notice so he is he is he cleans he doesn't jerk this. He push presses it. It's like a straight up military yeah. press. Yes. There's 315 pounds on that bar. That's that is three 45 pound plates on each side. That that's insane because he does it multiple times, multiple reps in the same set. And then I like how he gets mad at it after he drops it and kicks the weights. That's that's supposed to tell you he's definitely on steroids. That, that, that's a six five former bodybuilder man. Like that dude was. Uh, he's the real deal. Yeah, it, it's so it was it was well cast. It was beautifully shot and shockingly holds up well. Uh, the movie we'll be doing next week, Necessary Roughness, probably doesn't hold up as well because it didn't even hold up well then. There'll be many questions about Sinbad's NCA eligibility, and uh, we'll we'll talk about Kathy Ireland and, and Scott Bakula taking a break from Quantum Leap to to be a forty year old quarterback. But <laughs> it, it's. It'll be a little bit different than than this one. But Max, thank you so much for enjoying the program. I, I'm so glad that I, I've created another fan of one of the best football movies ever made. I'm just I'm just happy to get my seat at the table, dude. Place at the table! Starting defense! Oh. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope we're giving you an escape from all of the real world, which is not a whole lot of fun right now. We're going to keep trying to do that. Next week, join us. We're going to talk a little barbecue. 
We got necessary roughness on Friday. And somewhere in the middle, there will be some college football talk. So come on back. And if you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, please do. Go to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. That's theathletic.com slash A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S. For 40% off your first year subscription, best sports writing in the world. We're keeping you posted on everything that's going on in the sports world, even with the sports world shut down. And once it gets cranked back up, we're going to keep right on going. So theathletic.com slash Andy Staples for 40% off your first year. And we'll talk to you on Monday.